0: Okay, we come to Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verses sixteen to twenty. We continue um, from what we learned last week about the resurrection. So let's go and read these verses. But the, the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mount where Jesus appointed them. And seeing him, they worshipped him, but he doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So last week we learned about the resurrection of Jesus and the hope that we have in our risen Saviour who paid the penalty for our sin, dying on the cross at Calvary and victoriously rising right again after three days and three nights in the tomb. After he rose, he went and spoke to the women, telling them to go and tell the disciples to meet them in Galilee. He probably chose Galilee because it was a familiar place for many of the disciples who were originally from there, and it was also a place where much of his ministry had taken place. And it seems appropriate to return to where it all began, there in Galilee. Jesus called the disciples to be fishers of men. And now they would return to Galilee to be given the great commission of teaching all nations. And Jesus invites the disciples to meet him, to meet To meet him there. But he goes first to Galilee. He goes first because. He is the shepherd. And he goes there. First because he is the leader. And he goes there first because. He is more ready. For us than we are of him. But. Before going to Galilee. The disciples had already met Jesus. Or rather. He came and. He had come to them. He wanted to reveal himself to them so that they would be certain of the resurrection. In the book of Mark, Mark, chapter 16, it says he appeared to two of the disciples in another form. Initially, they didn't recognise him, so changed was his resurrection body. But when he spoke, they knew it was him, and they went to tell their brethren. Many still doubted until they were able to see the written Lord and touch the wounds of his flesh. I think I think we can understand the disbelief of the disciples. They knew Jesus had been beaten, tortured, and nailed to a cross They knew without a doubt that he had he was dead, sealed in a tomb, with a large rock, and guards barren the entrance. It seemed inconceivable that he could be living again, able to talk of them, be held by them, and eat with them. They needed to see in order to believe And of course, that's where we get the phrase Doubting Thomas, where that that comes from. And we read in John's Gospel that when the other disciples told Thomas they had seen Jesus, he said he wouldn't wouldn't believe it until he saw him for himself. The place where the nails had pierced his hands and feet. This gathering after the resurrection where some worshipped and some doubted is completely possible, Because although they loved Jesus, they weren't sure what to make of something so totally outside their normal experience. However, the Lord doesn't. Rebukes them, but gently affirms that he is the risen Lord. Moving on, more specifically today to today's reading, I'd like to consider three points: the majesty of Christ in verse eighteen, and secondly, the mission purpose of Christ in verses nineteen to. 20a, and thirdly, the mention of Christ in verse 20b. But we will be concentrating more on uh, our second point on the mission purpose of Christ in verses 19-20 as we, as we go on. So in verse 18, again says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power. Let there be no doubt about it. Jesus was and is God incarnate. These words to the disciples reiterate the position of Christ. He is the, their Lord and King. He has the right to give this command And they have a responsibility to listen and obey. A quote from Dr. Alan Sharon's book, A Sure Foundation, puts it like this. The majesty of the kingdom is the cross of Jesus Christ. The king died. He died out of majestic love. He made a majestic atonement. Then the king rose again breaking the band of death and defeating the powers of hell. And the king ascended into heaven to hear the word of his father, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemy thy footstool. As born again believers, we can't simply pick and choose which bits of scripture we want to follow and which bits to omit. Our lives should be lives of obedience and humble service to Him because we, just like the disciples, have been commanded by our Lord to do so. But we shouldn't strive to live righteous lives just because we are commanded to. Our hearts desire should, to, should be to live obedient lives that glorify the Father and bring others to a saving knowledge in, of Christ. So our main focus, so let's look um, at verse 19, um, the, the mission purpose of Christ for believers. As we look down here, it says, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. You see here, go ye therefore. There is no question about this being optional. Jesus says, go. Pain and simple. Now obviously, the disciples were commissioned with spreading the gospel. First in Jerusalem, and then among the nations. We're not all called to travel the world with the good news, but we are all commanded to go and spread the gospel message among our neighbours, friends, and family. Now, if Jesus was commanded, has commanded us to go, we can be assured that he goes before us to prepare the way, that he is with us every step of the way, and it is his authority through the Holy Spirit that empowers us through this instruction. So often, we hide our light under a bushel. We don't want to upset or offend people, or sometimes we are more concerned but being popular, so we almost actively avoid discussions involving eternal salvation, but we shouldn't. Yes, we have to be sensitive to people's needs, but the important thing is that we pray daily, asking the Holy Spirit to guide us and use us to further the kingdom of God. It should break our hearts to know that people are lost for time and eternity, and that should spur us to speak up and share the good news with them. The second part of verse 19 gives the second instruction. Teach all nations. The disciples suffered much rejection, and most were mattered, for their faith, but they fulfilled this command. They didn't allow their adversaries to prevent them from sharing the good news. Now, do you think these men would have continued if they had been in any doubt about who Jesus was? Absolutely not. They knew beyond beyond doubt that Jesus was Lord, and they were prepared to speak this truth even, even unto death. Peter Peter may have denied Jesus three times prior to the cross, but not now. Now the eyes of Peter and all the other disciples were fully opened to the gospel truth. And they wanted to share what they knew with others. To be honest, I think they were probably unable to contain themselves. What they had experienced was so amazing, so extraordinary, that they just had to tell people how could they keep such a miraculous thing to themselves but but it's more than just sharing the truth. this instruction is to teach. A, this infers something deeper than just sharing the gospel. Yes people need to be converted but they also need to be ready to do to be disciples or students learning the Word of God. So the disciples were commissioned to teach new converts all the same truths that Jesus had taught them. As someone we know is converted, or young in faith, then we need to be ready to teach them biblical truths so that their faith might grow, be made stronger, more certain. We teach using the word of God which we trust to be infallible in all matters of faith and doctrine, as we know in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to divide asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints of marrow, and marrow, and if a discerner of the thought and intent of the heart. This is the assurance we have that the best tool of teaching is the Word of God. It helps us walk in the path of righteousness to make choices in our daily lives that are honouring to to the Lord and it is an essential tool for teaching others. That is why we need to be reading our Bibles daily, devoting time to the study and memorising of God's Word. And so often, we find time to watch the latest episode of our favourite TV show, but we procrastinate about studying the Word of God. Our hearts should be burning with desire, to know his word. In Revelation chapter 3, John writes to the church at Medicaea, I know thy works, and thou art neither cold nor hot. I will thou wert cold or hot. So, so then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. You see, God doesn't want His people to be lukewarm; He wants us to be on fire for Him. I think too often today we are distracted by the worldly things, but if we want if we want to get to know God, we need to read His word and take the time to get to know Him. The final part of verse nineteen gives us. The last part of this instruction, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. As a church we believe in full immersion, baptism, as demonstrated by our Lord himself when he was baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. Let's be clear about one thing. baptism does not save a person. Only the repentant sinner who calls on the Lord to cleanse him from sin and save him from time and eternity can be assured of salvation. That salvation is assured from the moment we believe and not reliant on the act of baptism. So there are several things the Bible teaches us about baptism. Baptism and we should understand as part of the Great Commission. So let's consider some key points. Firstly, baptism is for believers. An, an unbeliever who is baptized gains nothing from baptism. He still dead in sin and separated from God. Secondly, a believer who is baptized does not have anything added to their salvation by being baptized. In the book of the 1st Corinthians where Paul wrote, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be empty of its power. So a baptism was the power by which people were saved, then what was the purpose of the cross? You see, the sacrifice of Christ at Calvary would be null and void if man still had to be baptized for salvation. And thirdly, water baptism symbolizes our burial with Christ in death and rising with him in newness of life, where we read in Romans chapter 6, it says, Do you not know that as many of us as were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? Therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Quite simply, water bap- baptism is an outward profession of an inward confession. So let's move on to briefly our, our last final point, the mentoring of Christ. We, if we read back down in Our Bible here in verse 20, it says here, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. This confirms the commission to teach the nations, but it also gives assurance that we are not left alone to do this. We have a wonderful promise from our Lord, I am with you always to the end of the world. Whatever comes our way, we are not alone. By the power of the word and through the Holy Spirit, we can have confidence in fulfilling the appointed commission. Of course, it does take diligence, On our part, we need to study the word and pray faithfully so that we might have an intimate relationship with the Lord. For any relationship to be fruitful, we need to invest time in it. And that is especially true of our relationship with the Lord. It's easy to call out to God in times of distress, but how much time Do we give him when times are good? Furthermore, whatever ridicule or persecution we face, we can be assured we don't face it alone. In this world today, there are many believers who are persecuted for their faith. We are blessed to have the the freedoms that we have in the UK to practice and live out our faith, without fear of persecution. Okay, we might get some ridicule or the occasional put down from people, but we aren't imprisoned, tortured or even murdered for our faith. We should be thankful for the freedoms we have and that should spur us on even more to share the good news with our friends family, and neighbours. I'd like us to be thinking as we go forward in this week, let us openly profess our faith and act in a a Christ-like manner throughout the days ahead. Sometimes the greatest witness is not what we say, but what we do. Our life should be a reflection of Christ and all that is good and holy. So let's finish with this verse in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no wrong image.